Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. This is Jeremiah. Welcome to the program today. I have a very exciting guest that's going to be joining us. If you have studied at all Christian persecution and the fact that more believers in Jesus Christ are persecuted for their faith right now than in any other time in the history of our faith, you are going to want to pay attention to the discussion that I'm going to be having with my guest today. We're going to be discussing uh, the spread of Christianity in one of the most lethal places on earth to be a Christian. And he has not just book knowledge about this. Our guest has first-hand knowledge of the church, which is doing great things in this most difficult and even, I say, lethal place to be a follower of Jesus. So, friends, you're going to want to join us. Curtis Wallace is up next after the break, and I'm going to be talking to him about what God is doing in Saudi Arabia. That's right, Saudi Arabia. This is a program you're going to want to listen to again, and you're going to want to share it because it's so important in these days where it looks like there is just a growing sense of evil all around us to know that, guess what? When sin abounds, the scriptures tell us in the book of Romans, grace superabounds. And you know what? Don't you want grace to superabound in your own life? Gosh, I want grace to superabound in my life as well. And what we're going to hear about is even against some of the most fierce opposition, the church is there and has a presence in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. This is so exciting. Um, And I do want you to know that my good friend Jay Seculo, you know him from the American Center of Law and Justice, that great defender of the faith, such a great organization, not just here in the United States, but they represent the state of Israel, the Knesset. Uh, Jay introduced me to Curtis several years ago, and Curtis has been a great friend, and he's somebody who is very well known in Christian leadership circles. He's somebody who travels in different denominations and gives advice to Christian leaders um, across the spectrum. So we just I just look so forward to what he has to say to all of us. Let me just do a few house cleaning items. I want to encourage you, if this is the first time you've joined us, to definitely check out all of our shows on the Jeremiah Johnston Show website. We have guests every week. We interview the brightest thinkers about the trending questions of the day. And the questions are really dictated by the questions that you actually have. Isn't it fun that we talk about things on this program that might be troubling you, uh, that might have been bothering you for quite some time? They're the kind of questions you don't hear discussed in church very often. And so that's what we've addressed on this program. So how can you listen? Go to the Jeremiah Johnston Show page on Faith Radio Network, and you can see those archived. I also want to really encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Why? Because the moment the live show airs, about a few minutes later, within five or ten minutes, 
the program is available on the podcast. And that's so important because our lives are always changing, right? We're, we're always busy, and I don't expect that everyone in our audience can listen to the live show when it airs. This gives you an opportunity to participate with the program uh, at your own schedule, on pace, self-directed, on demand. Excuse me, on demand. So I want to encourage you to subscribe to this. And then finally, pray for all those involved. Pray for our producer, Nat. Pray for me. Pray for everyone at Faith Radio who airs this. Thank God for Faith Radio Network and the great people that keep the towers going um, so that we can get the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, clearly delivered. So friends, stay with us. We're going to step away for a very brief 90-second break. And when we return, we have Curtis Wallace in studio today talking about the power of Jesus Christ all over the world. Stay with us back in 90 seconds. Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah, welcoming all of you joining us across Faith Radio Network, both in the Central and Eastern Time Zone. And thank you so much for all of you who are giving us such great reviews uh, on our Faith Radio podcast as well. You can find our podcast by just going into iTunes or Google Play and searching Jeremiah Johnston Show. It'll pop right up. And again, thanks for those Facebook reviews. Thanks for... Uh, the ways in which that you're praying for this broadcast. Well, I have joining me in studio today here in Houston, Texas, a dear friend of mine who is a wonderful Christian thinker, scholar, uh, businessman, Christian attorney, Curtis Wallace. Curtis, thank you for joining us on the Jeremiah Johnston program today. Well, Jeremiah, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here today and to be able to spend some time with you and uh, and uh, talk about what God has on your heart. Well, and Curtis, uh, we have so much to talk about because I want everyone at Faith Radio to uh, know more about you. Of course, Curtis is a is known uh, internationally as a great Christian attorney. Uh, he did his uh, law school uh, at SMU Law, graduated right. top of his class at SMU Law, and uh, you've been a part of some really fascinating things. And Curtis, the reason I want to meet with you today on this broadcast is because we have so many leaders out there who listen to this broadcast. They're Christian leaders. Uh, they're Christian businessmen, Christian businesswomen, um, men and women who are people of influence. And what I've so appreciated in my life has been your guidance and your counsel for now the last five years at Christian Thinkers Society. So grateful to you. But I want to begin first with how you and I first met uh, many years ago. I began to hear about what God was doing in Saudi Arabia. Right. And friends, I've never had, I don't know if there's ever been anyone on the entire faith radio network who can say they have preached and ministered and mentored leaders in Saudi Arabia. Now I just want to, I want to set the context because according to world watch list and some other lists, I mean, we can all agree that Saudi Arabia is one of the most dangerous places on earth to call yourself a follower of Jesus. Absolutely. So I want to, it is is the home of Islam. Exactly. So, so, how on earth, Curtis, did you, I mean, tell the story for our audience, because people right now are shocked. And I even saw an article recently that there are no churches in Saudi Arabia. How do you respond to that and tell us about your experience? Well, th- there are no uh, official churches. There are hundreds of underground churches in Saudi Arabia. And and how I first uh, became aware and, and involved with ministry in Saudi Arabia. I was uh, preaching at uh, speaking at a TD Jakes Pastors and Leaders Conference, speaking about leadership, 
to a group of pastors. After I finished speaking, um, I was outside at my table signing books. I had this wonderful young woman come up to me, uh, Misty Moxel, and I asked her where she was from, and she said she was with the church in Saudi Arabia. Wow. And, and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and it turns out her and her husband were from Tulsa, Oklahoma. But his work had taken him to Saudi Arabia. He's former U.S. military, was working as a military advisor in Saudi Arabia. And when their family got there, they started looking for for ways to spend time with other Christians, ways to uh, to worship. And they got involved in a home Bible study. And that Bible study grew over time. And eventually they were meeting on one of the western compounds in Saudi Arabia. And for our audience that's never been there, a lot of Westerners who live in Saudi Arabia live in what are called western compounds, which are basically big walled subdivisions uh, that have armed guards, you know, regulating who goes in and out of those areas. And, And essentially most of the rules of Saudi Arabia don't apply within the walls of the subdivision. I see. You know, so a woman wouldn't have to cover with a scarf and things like that inside the the, the walls. Um, and basically, it's just other Westerners who, who live there. And uh, so their Bible study became too big. The people who managed the compound said, you're a security risk. You can't keep doing this. you got to shut the meeting down. So rather than do what most groups do, which is just split into two or three groups and make it smaller again and make it where it was palatable, they decided, you know, we're going to go out. And they outside of the western outside of the the walls, so to speak. (laughs) And they somehow found a Saudi gentleman who owned a banquet hall that was used for Saudi weddings. And for over five years, every Friday morning, he rented them this facility. Wow. To wow. use to have church. And over that time. And is this in Riyadh, not to interrupt you? This is in Riyadh, which is the capital of wow. Saudi Arabia. And uh, over time, they built up and they were having five, six, seven hundred people on uh, some Friday mornings for worship. Uh, one of the most incredible church experiences, I most pure church experience I've ever enjoyed over 40 different nationalities, people from all over the world coming together. They all knew they were at risk. Yes, yes. And yet they were all there. And they were all there. And you've seen it with your own eyes. You've preached, you've ministered. I've I've been there eight or nine times. Wow. Um, Unfortunately, that church has, it's had to kind of regroup in the last year. Because of persecution, the Saudi gentleman who owned the building was arrested. Wow. For allowing the church to be there. And so the church kind of had to regroup and do some different things. And some of the leadership of the church, their contracts have ended and they've had to move back to the states and things like that. So they're, they're going through transition right now. But uh, I was there about eight different times and would speak. Uh, I tell people I put on the only Christian rock concert to ever happen in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> um, I took John Schlitt, the former lead singer of Petra, wow. to Saudi Arabia. Oh, yes. and he did a concert, and it was just fantastic. And We had about 500 people. But it that's just amazing. goes to show you what is out there happening that's under the radar that people don't even know about. Wow. So what is, what's the message today for believers who are listening to you 
in the United States with what you've seen believers going through to worship in Saudi Arabia? You know, my my big message is, you know, we just need to, especially in the States, we just need to get past the pettiness. And one of the things I love about when I would go to Saudi Arabia and I would be with those people is, you know, they were just there to worship as they chose and to be together and to fellowship. And it was a great mix. It was 40 different nationalities, everything from the poorest of the poor to very wealthy, all together in one congregation mm. with one goal. And there was just none of the pettiness. Yeah. You know, there was nothing about somebody was in my parking spot. Yeah. Or they took my pew. <laughs> or whatever, what, you know, I didn't yeah. like what the message was today. All of that. And they were just so grateful that somebody would care enough to come there and visit them. Mm, mm. Talk to me as well about your mentorship of the leaders in Saudi Arabia. And again, what we can learn from that, those who are listening to you right well, now. Well, I think this is a big lesson for, for the church here, too. One of the On my very first trip to Saudi Arabia, when they really explained to me how things work there, like, for instance, it's only now that Saudi Arabia is beginning to allow their very first tourist visas. So the only way you could be in Saudi Arabia was you had to be there for business reasons or for employment reasons. So as a result, all of these people who were a part of this church, all the leadership, nobody was a professional in ministry. They were just people who were there working other jobs. But they were all there under contracts. And so whatever your contract ends, you have to leave the country. I see. You can't just choose to stay there. So the, one of the very first things I recognized was we had to have a leadership development program because at any time, anybody could leave. Mm-hmm. by their choice or not by their choice. You know, their employer could change their mind, and the next week they're on a plane going home to wherever home is. Wow. And we realized that if the church was going to survive and continue, we had to have leaders in place. So the first thing we did, made everybody who had any position of responsibility or leadership immediately start to work and identify somebody who could take their place who they could train. So there was this replication happening. There was a replication. And then we put in place formal curriculum. I developed, they developed um, ministry programs to teach their people the Bible, to teach ministry. Mm-hmm. I then developed a leadership program to train their leaders. And what I would do, it would be about an eight-week course that I would do once a year, and most of the courses I would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning and do Skype with Saudi Arabia, you know, because there was a nine-hour time difference and and trying to accommodate their schedules. And I would teach leadership courses by Skype and then go over there once or twice a year to to reinforce it live. But it was that need to be constantly developing leaders. Wow. Wow. And so for the busy pastor who's listening to you or the busy Bible study leader who's trying to do it all, what's your message to them? What is you can't do it all. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of different ministries over the year from some of the biggest to some of the smallest. And every individual has their own personal capacity. And every individual has limits as to what they can do. And what really separates 
the great ministries from the not so great is the ability to build a team and develop leaders on that team. Mm, mm, so powerful. Again, my guest today is attorney Curtis Wallace, and you can find him by going to his website. Just Google Curtis Wallace. And Curtis, tell everyone your website if you would. It is curtiswallace.net. curtiswallace.net. Uh, if you've uh, if you've enjoyed this ministry, Christian Thinker Society, our media ministry, my books and resources, Curtis has been uh, very much involved with all of that from behind the scenes. If you know other names like everyone from Jay Seculo uh, to Bishop T.D. Jakes, right. Curtis Wallace has had wonderful leadership and great many and diverse uh, leaders' lives. And Curtis, I want you to know how grateful I am to you from. Uh, all the wisdom that you impart to us at Christian Thinkers Society. And I've also been party uh, to seeing how the Holy Spirit has used you mightily all over the world, including places like Saudi Arabia, and it's just outstanding to me. I mean, when you think about the Holy Spirit... Um, I don't know what it means that the Holy Spirit sent an attorney to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that's right. Why me? You know, why, why me? But, God can but use it happens, anyone. so you embrace it. <laughs> and that's fantastic. And you were willing to do that. You were willing to go, and I applaud you for that. We only have about 90 seconds before this break, but um, for those that are being persecuted for their faith right now, what's your message to them after what you've experienced in Saudi Arabia and yet seeing the faith thrive? You know, one, just keep the faith. And just keep doing what you're doing. And because I've seen real life anywhere in the world, the church can thrive. Mm-hmm. You can find you can find a way. Mm-hmm. And you need to be respectful and you need to understand the rules of the society that you're living within mm-hmm. and accommodate those as best you can. But at the end of the day, just keep doing what you're doing. Amen. And keep worshiping God, right? That's right. And it's amazing. Um, If God be for us, who can be against us? Um, Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. I'm going to be talking to Curtis about the business of ministry. Um, So stay with us, especially if you're a ministry leader, if you're a Bible study leader, if you have any interest in just the business side of ministry, which is every aspect of ministry in many respects, um, and making wise choices and best practices and good counsel. The, The scriptures speak a lot to this. I have a lot of questions for Curtis on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah. This is the program that doesn't tell you what to think. We hopefully inspire you with the tools necessary, how to think Christianly, how to be a great Christian thinker, how to love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And my guest today is attorney Curtis Wallace, a scholar and an author, a Christian thinker, a leadership guru, someone who has been in the back room with many ministry leaders helping to make intense and difficult decisions easier. Uh, the Holy Spirit has gifted you immensely, Curtis, and I'm delighted to have you back on the program. Thanks for joining us. I, I'm excited to be here. Thanks a lot, Jeremiah. Uh, Curtis, talk to all of us for a moment who um, have endeavored to step into a full-time ministry capacity how important it is to make good decisions and to have good advisors. I've personally seen with universities, with ministries, with nonprofits, there are well-meaning people that make wrong and sometimes even illegal decisions without even knowing it because they're just they don't have the right advisors in the room. Yeah, that's that's right, and that's that's so important. You know, it, it's really 
unfortunate. If you think about it, we are in the age of the megachurch. We have the Internet. We have Christian television all over the world. But despite all of these tools, we have social media, everything else, but despite all of these tools, as you know, the number of nuns, people who claim no religious affiliation in the United States, is going up every year. You're right. And and if I think about that, it, it really means on a level that the church is losing. And and I think one of the reasons for that is I think churches need to start thinking a lot more like businesses do. Mm, mm. And churches need to invest in things that are going to yield results. Mm-hmm. And churches and ministries tend to have this small-minded, non-profit mentality. And yes, you are a non-profit organization, but you have to generate revenue and you have to create resources to be able to do your work. Yeah, and manage it well. And you have to be able to you have to be able to manage it well. And people have this reluctance to deal with some foundational issues on a very real level. And be, because they have this this idea that we can't spend money on certain things, a lot of churches, uh, you know, really make a lot of foolish decisions because they're not willing to engage somebody who mm-hmm. actually has some knowledge in an area that they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, if you went to seminary, you were trained to do ministry. But the reality is now that you're out there running a church, you're running a business. That's right. And so if you don't have that expertise, you need to have somebody who does have that expertise. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be willing to invest in that expertise be willing to pay for that if you want to get something that's mm-hmm. quality to get the answers that you're looking for. And you just need to conduct your business uh, in, a, in a proper way. And don't you think as Christians, uh, because the scripture says in James 3, not many of you should presume to be teachers, you will be judged to a higher standard. The way that I interpret that is I should have the finest representation in my ministry, in my life, my tax returns, the ways that Christianity relates to the government, Christian Thinker Society, the real ways that our churches relate. Um, yes, we need to uh, always keep God first, but we should do things with excellence. And so we can't do that on our own. I mean, I don't know how to do that. That's right. Um, and there's a lot of pastors who might have really big congregations listening to this, but they're feeling the pressure of having to make all these decisions, as you just said, that they were not trained to do. And then what happens is poor decisions are made. They reflect poorly on the body of Christ. And then we get greater government scrutiny because one or two people out there really took advantage of the system. And so That's right. what are the immediate next steps, Curtis, for a pastor who's overwhelmed? You know, one thing is just find somebody. You need to build a team around you. And that means, you know, you need to have great people helping you on the accounting side. Mm-hmm. So either if your organization is large enough and you have the resources, is having a really good CFO in-house. If you don't have that, there are some fabulous Christian That's accounting right. firms out there, like Stanfield and Odell, who yep. can help you out. But just go get somebody who's really good and get somebody who knows what they're doing in the tax-exempt, nonprofit church area don't just get somebody because they're the cheapest and they say they'll do something for you because accounting and law it's changing it's changing all the time you have to be specialized in these areas you know you don't want your general practice doctor he's there to prescribe you know if you've got Mm -hmm. a cold he's your guy Mm -hmm. but when you're having a heart attack he's not your guy 
and people understand that within the scope of ministry, but they also need to within you know their personal lives, but they need to understand the same things uh, uh, apply you know to their ministry life to their business life. you know all accountants are not the same, all lawyers are not the same, just the way all doctors are not the same. Acts six four says that we're to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. In the context of Acts six four, Curtis is the apostles who are leading the church at Jerusalem. They they selected a team, deacons, who came around them um, because they had to give themselves Acts four. But we gave ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and praying in the Holy Spirit. And I see a lot of pastors out there who are so busy with files and important documents and budgets and business meetings and they are sacrificing their time studying god's word that is so important and so just talk about that for a moment you there's a lot of pastors so burdened and maybe their their primary gifting is suffering because of it that's right i I think you've hit on something that that's critical and when i talk to pastors i talk about this a lot my simple theory is if you're the senior pastor of a church or you're leading a ministry, you should do only those things that only you can do. Mm. Mm. Because you as the pastor have to be freed to be able to be an effective pastor. If you don't have time for prayer, if you don't have time for study, if you don't have time to spend with God, you cannot be the best that you're going to be on Sunday. That's right. If you're having to worry about is the church van running, if you're having to worry about is the building clean, Mm -hmm. if you're having to worry about are the accountants doing what they're supposed to be doing, you are not going to be effective as a pastor. You have relegated yourself not as a pastor. You've made yourself a manager. Mm -hmm. And our churches need to understand that they need to invest in teams that will free the pastor to be the pastor. So good. Uh, again, if you're just joining us on the Jeremiah Johnston Show, my guest today is attorney and Christian thinker Curtis Wallace, who advises myself, Jay Seculo, and a host of other scholars, uh, Christian personalities, media influencers. And Curtis, it's a joy to have you on the program today. Talk for a moment, if you would. Um, there are people listening right now who think, well, yes, um, but what about the nature of accountability? We need more accountability. I really believe this in the church today. We need ministers and leaders who are willing to be accountable um, and be willing to put out the best possible ministry um, and and one with total and complete transparency and integrity. What is your advice about just the importance of accountability and help how you help ministry leaders with that? One big thing here, you need people on your team who will speak truth to power. Mm. If you think about it, just in the general employment context, it's hard enough for anybody true. to disagree with their boss. Yeah. Now, if you add on top of that the fact that my boss is my spiritual leader, that's right, my pastor, what I would see over and over and over again with churches that have difficulty, so much of it comes from the fact that they have staffs of people who are very well-intentioned and well-meaning but solely because of their overwhelming desire to please will not tell truth to power. Mm. Mm. And I don't mean doing it incorrectly or in a disrespectful way, but that's a lot of what the people that I work with depend on 
me for. Yes. Is I'm the guy who will call you after the meeting. Yeah. And say, you know, that's a really good idea, but let's think about A, B, C, and D. Yes, right. And you've got to have people on your team who are willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, you know, not every idea that comes out of every pastor's mouth is a great one. Or of God. Or of God. That's right. And sometimes there needs to be some accountability and some decision-making going along with that. And you need to have people on your team who were willing to speak up. God gave you that team for a reason. Those are individuals. Each one of them was made by God for a certain purpose. And we've got to be able to listen to them. And then on the flip side of all this is if you do have the right people around you, it's up to you as the pastor to create an environment where you can have open dialogue. That's right. That's right. You know, Jeremiah, and that's hard to get to for some pastors who are listening because they've we've all been burned by open dialogue. So I guess what are the guardrails there? Well, well, to me, what's important to me is I, I tell people we need to be able to, you know, have vigorous debate and fight like cats and dogs in the meeting and then go have lunch. Yeah, you, you've really got to develop this 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 mindset that it's the best idea wins. Yeah, and. We're not here to demean anybody. We're not here to bully anybody. We're here to respectfully listen to everybody. It's about creating an environment where people feel safe to share their thoughts and their ideas. And we also have to train those people that just because we didn't follow your idea doesn't mean we don't respect where it came from. Yes. It's all about created an environment and that's what the pastor as the leader has to do he or she has to set that tone Mm -hmm. that environment where everybody can be listened to all the thoughts and ideas come in the analysis happens a decision is made and then everybody whether you were for it or against it but once the decision is made everybody is a hundred percent in support that's awesome again my guest today is curtis wallace we only have time for a couple of more questions and curtis i want to ask you on you know what you're seeing right now in the united states and we're blessed to minister in the united states i mean absolutely i, I mean there our government i mean we are blessed there's no question there's a growing level of scrutiny though why is that and what do pastors need to know about the heightening scrutiny about towards their ministries from the government well well there is heightened scrutiny people are paying more attention mm-hmm. and you know it's really the result of a few outliers out there that did things that got attention, that got themselves in the news, but it ends up impacting everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just gets back to this idea of just acting with accountability. Yeah. You know, and, and a good rule of thumb is if you don't want to read about it in tomorrow's newspaper, don't do it. Amen. Amen. And, and just acting with practical accountability, having a team around you, having the right kinds of people, having your having a great accounting team having the legal team, having your executive team, and listening to all that counsel.
Fantastic. And again, friends, we've been listening to wisdom from Curtis Wallace, a great Christian thinker and attorney from Dallas, Texas. I want to encourage you to check him out at curtiswallace.net. Curtis, I hope you'll come back to a future program of the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. You've done eight movies with Sony Pictures Classic, many great Christian movies as well that many people are familiar with. (laughs) Um, So, wow. Uh, Thank you for your time on this program today. Will you come back to another one in the future? Absolutely. I would love to come back. We could talk about a lot of fun stuff. Maybe we could talk about some movies like Jump in the Broom or Sparkle yeah. or things like that or, or books or music or a whole lot of different things that I've, that I've been blessed to do. But I had a great time, so thank you for having me. Thank you, Curtis. And, friends, we'll be back again. I'm taking your questions. You can go to the website right now, www.askjjj.com, and uh, we'll be taking those questions in 90 seconds. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Welcome back to the program, and as we've been discussing great innovation and leadership, Curtis, it's so cool now to welcome to our program in studio with us, Brian Paradis. Uh, you all have just released a book last month, it's so exciting, called Lead with Imagination, Regaining the Power to Lead and Live in a Changing World. Curtis, I'm going to ask you to bring Brian on. He's joining us right now via phone. Um, would you please give Brian an introduction uh, to this exciting new project that you all have launched out together? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And uh, this book that just came out a couple of weeks ago is the the result of uh, almost two years of friendship and partnership and and uh, working together. And, and I'd like to introduce everybody to to Brian Paradis. He is a uh, uh, former hospital executive, and when we met and started talking, we just had so many shared ideas about uh, about faith and about leadership and about how to run organizations, and it led to this great book. So uh, I'd like to uh, to introduce Brian, and, and maybe Brian can uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of, kind of give us the core of the book. Please. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, great pleasure to be with you, and Pleasure to, to join uh, my, my partner Curtis Wallace as well. So so yeah, I think I think the book kind of came out of out of a place of so much of what we saw and I see about you know innovation particularly you know misses what what precedes that and what makes organizations great is when there's a deep culture that allows those things to kind of take place. And so what we wanted to do was kind of create an honest um, and transparent discussion. Um, not a checklist about what to do, but but more of a of a of a journey of how to be as a leader. And I think that's what what kind of led to the core of, of the book. And I just love this title, "Lead with Imagination." And Brian, I want you to just just help us for a moment understand. You know, there are so many leadership books on the market, and I know that I'm probably the hundredth person that's asked you this since the book was just released. And again, for the benefit of our audience, it's Lead with Imagination, Regaining the Power to Lead and Live in a Changing World. What is it about this title about leading with imagination that really um, really goes to the cut and thrust of your message in the book? Well, I think that when you when you can't see what it is you want to take place, it's hard to create it. And so the first step of, of any leadership journey is, is knowing you know, where you want to go or seeing what nobody has seen before or, or understanding you know, what the vision is um, for, for what you're trying to create. 
And so I think so much of the management literature jumps right to the how-to or right to the tactics um, instead of stopping to say, well, what is it you're really trying to create? So, Brian, how do we cultivate imagination? There's a lot of people listening to you right now um, who have visions for their life, but perhaps life is just too busy. It's uh, paralyzed them from having those, that imagination, um, that innovation. So how do we cultivate that? Well, that's a great question, and, and I don't know that there's a simple you know, answer, um, but, but I think there are definitely some things you know, to, to, to attempt. And I think you know, one of them you know, is, is things like learning to be generous. If you can train your mind to be generous, then you're beginning to create a, a mindset of abundance rather than scarcity. Mm-hmm. So little things like that, things like a travel, you know, or, or picking up, you know, a, a new um, hobby or, or an um, instrument or something of the creative sort to kind of force your brain to think different or see different, you know, than, than what it is. There's a, there's a great story that most people don't know, but Winston Churchill was a painter. Mm, yeah. um, and often it's described that the only thing maybe Winston Churchill did in his life that didn't have some political agenda or some leadership or, you know, um, a, a purpose for it was his painting. And so, you know, we often think that, that that painting, in my opinion, might have been the thing that allowed him to, to move an entire nation, to see mm-hmm. beyond just thriving or, or surviving, to actually survive or thriving in, in the world and, and winning a war that you know, probably all, all objective evidence would have suggested they had no chance to win. So I think those things, I always think, you know, go see a play, go see a concert, do anything that takes you out of the space you normally or the patterns you normally exist in are great beginnings for it. Mm, that is so good. And, friends, I, I just have to say here, here to that. Um, I love Churchill, Brian, full disclosure. And right. I think it's fascinating, too. You're nice I mean, you're nice he, yeah. You know, here Adolf Hitler fancied himself a great painter and artist, and yet it's Churchill's paintings that would hang in the galleries. Um, yeah. and it's just a fascinating thing. And I agree with you that, that this, this, this ability to allow imagination to permeate our lives will actually inspire us in the areas that God equips us. And let's just transition for a moment because, you know, you dedicate this book to God who has the greatest imagination. Talk to us about the intersection of faith and imagination. Hmm. Boy, that's a, that's a long conversation. You know, I think that the original title when we first kind of played with this book was called Sacred Imagination. Um, and because I, I, we came to this belief that how do you even imagine or picture God if your imagination isn't, isn't big? And so, so I think there's a deep spiritual connection that I think it's our imagination that even allows us to begin to understand God. And I always have this thinking process that there's at least two things that are resonant in each one of us um, as a result of being created beings. And one is wisdom and one is imagination. And I think, you know, God was a creator. And so every time we do a creative act, I think there's this potential for connection to, to that mm. deeper purpose that, that it permeates our lives. I love this. I love that God gives us creativity and wisdom, and those are used hand in hand. So, Curtis, talk to us about um, just how this book came together. You mentioned it just briefly, but you all began meeting and I guess went creative together over <laughs> over breakfast, and the result is this great new book, Lead with Imagination. 
That, that's right. It all it all started with a lunch meeting between Brian and I. Uh, a mutual friend had had arranged for us to uh, to connect, and we met in Dallas and had lunch, and just started talking about Brian's life and my life and leadership and how we thought about things, and we found that we that we shared uh, a lot of the same viewpoints on on leadership. And you know, this book is it's something that we did together. But it's written from the perspective of Brian's work at healthcare, and we used his work at Ford Hospital and the stories there kind of as, as the basis for for making our points. So it was just from that lunch together and just talking about life and leadership, you know. And we talked about how, just like Brian said, you know, we are created beings, so we are created, which means we are creative. We're in God's image, therefore we must be creative people. But through the course of life, for so many of us, that creativity, that imagination gets beaten out of us a little bit, you know, just through the way that, that society works. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I remember me and Brian, I was telling him a story about, about my, uh, my son and nephew, and they would go over to my mother's house to visit their grandmother, and they would be out in the backyard playing, and my mom would bring out a couple of big towels and pin them around their necks, and all of a sudden they had capes. Mm. And so all of a sudden they go from being kids to being superheroes because they have that imagination. And Mm. so what we did in the book is that we used Brian's experience at Florida Hospital and all the things that he went went through trying to implement imagination into his leadership style and into the management of the hospital, you know, to really give some insights to show people, show leaders – how they can really create the environment to uh, to facilitate imagination among their teams, to really get the best out of their teams. And so we talk about a lot of things that you're not going to hear about in other leadership books. You know, we've got a chapter in the book called What's Love Got to Do With It? Because we really believe what we call love in all interactions, that, mm-hmm. that love has to be – even in business and in management, love has to be at the core of what you could do. And, and I'd really like Brian to talk a little bit more about that because yes. I really think this idea of love that also goes along with authenticity and some other things is really kind of core, what a leader needs to understand to be able to create the environment where his people can really use their imagination. Brian, so tell us about love. I yeah. mean, I, I think we all can tell when we've worked for leaders yeah. – because um, I think we all need to be good followers before we can become great leaders. Yeah. Um, we've all worked for leaders who we could tell if love was part of their leadership or not. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, I, it's a tough concept, and it's one of the places where I think Curtis and I formed our our closest, you know, if you will, connection in, in what we were trying to do. And and I can tell you the story in the book about. You know, I was getting ready for a big presentation, you know, four or 500 people in the org- of the leaders in the organization. And, you know, I, we had this kind of dry run process. And I'm, I'm going through my, my, my PowerPoints to set up the day. And I'm using great healthcare words. They're, they're tremendous words like compassion and, and you know, empathy. And, and I have a, a general, you know, lieutenant general that was on our team. And he looks at me, and he was never shy of an opinion. And he looked at me and he said, are you sure those are the right words? 
And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, shouldn't it be love? Hmm. And I remember just, it was instant. I just said, yes, it should be. Wow. Um, and I just was struck by, here's this you know, commander at the time, his last job was commander of all U.S. Army in Europe. And he's, he's giving me, the healthcare guy, you know, a, a, an insight into love. Hmm. And I thought, isn't that odd? And so then when I tried it, you know, I, I put it in, and then I, I went to a group of our physicians and, and tried to use the language. And I remember being just completely anxious about it. And I kept thinking, they're going to think I'm just, I'm just nuts. You know, what kind of executive uses love in, in his conversations about, you know, operating this, this complex, large enterprise? And, and what I found is every time you use the language, it always starts to feel uncomfortable at first. And, and you feel like you're kind of out on a limb. Mm. But every time I've done it, I find everybody comes back later and says, that's so right. You yes. know, so it's almost like it takes a little courage to, to speak that truth. And yet everybody wants to jump on it once, once somebody's taken the chance, you know, to, to speak it. So I just, it's one of those concepts. I, I remember the story of, of I was watching it, you know, cleaning my room or something. And I had a documentary on the TV about Southwest Air. And, and if anyone knows about Southwest Air, you know, it's one of the most profitable and consistently profitable airlines in, in the world in an industry that rarely has consistent profitability. And I remember him making a statement, and we were having a big debate about it at the hospital, of whether your, your employees are an asset you know, and a resource or, or whether they're, they're more than that. And I remember Herb, Herb Keller saying that, no, the customer isn't always right. Um, your employees are the ones you should put first. As, mm. as what you're doing, and to so me good. that was an expression of the power of love. And for me, it was it was a, it was an instant change in my perception of the way I thought, you know, we should relate to our our teams, you know, and that, that they were our first priority. Friends, we've got to step away for 90 seconds. We're going to come back with some final thoughts. The book is Lead with Imagination. When we return with Brian Purtis and Curtis Wallace, we're going to end talking about the place of humor in leading with imagination. Stay with us on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Welcome back to the program. This is Jeremiah. Brian, you, you have a fascinating chapter towards the end of the book where you tell a story about uh, doing a, an annual event uh, that wasn't going so well, and then you injected humor. Again, we've been talking about leading with imagination, cultivating creativity. Um, give us 60 seconds about the place of humor in leadership. I love this chapter. <laughs> I, I think it is very simple. Organizations are made up of people. Um, and, and they're not just made up of people. The organization is the people, and people like humor, and they do best in humor. And so if you don't allow humor to have a life within your organization, you're grossly suboptimizing the potential of all your people. So powerful. Curtis, um, talk to us for a moment about being secure leaders, secure enough even to laugh at ourselves, because you all talk about this in the book Lead with Imagination as well. Oh, oh, absolutely we do. And, and Brian tells a great story in the book where he was called into a meeting of nurses and, and the meeting and the nurses were upset and some changes were happening that were negatively impacting the nurses and, and he had to go in uh, without notice and, and, and talk to them. And, you know, one of the things they asked Brian to do in the meeting was to take one of those IV poles that everybody has seen in the hospital and roll that IV pole around. Well, the IV pole didn't roll so well. So, 
you know, Brian's up there in front of all the nurses, you know, and, you know, but his willingness to be vulnerable, his willingness to take a risk and to put him out there, put himself out there in a way that most executives would never do, enabled him to build a bridge to his employees. And, And so that's why it's so important for us as leaders you know, to really think about things from the perspective of our employees and to be willing ourselves to humble ourselves, mm. to be vulnerable, and at the end of the day, to be authentic. Because people know at the end of the day when you're not being authentic, and that, that's what you've got to do if you want to create that environment. Friends, the book is Lead with Imagination. It was just released last month, Regaining the Power to Lead and Live in a Changing World. This has been such a great conversation with Brian Paradis, who wrote this with Curtis Wallace. I want to thank you both for joining us today on the program. Curtis, you've been with us the entire hour. We've talked about everything from Christianity spreading in Saudi Arabia to best practices and leadership in Christian ministry. Guys, I, I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thanks for being on today. It's been a blast. Thank you for thank having you so much. Friends, we'll be back next week. Don't forget, share this program, subscribe to the podcast. God is for you. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind, and we will see you next time. This is Jeremiah. God bless you, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.